0: Welcome to the FedSpeak Podcast, the Canadian edition, brought to you by MI Market News. I'm Greg Quinn in Ottawa. With me today is Bill Robson, CEO of the C.D. Howe Institute. Uh, Bill also leads a shadow monetary policy council that tracks the Bank of Canada quite closely. He often hosts big events with top economic policymakers. So Bill, uh, thank you for uh, joining me here today.
1: My pleasure to be here and uh, looking forward to getting into this important topic.
0: Let's jump into it. I want to start with the recent edition of Summaries of deliberations or the meeting minutes the Bank of Canada started publishing. How much of an addition to the Bank of Canada's communications uh, are those minutes?
1: I think it counts as another step, uh, not a giant leap, but another important step in the Bank of Canada's efforts to make its uh, deliberations and and generally the way it functions more transparent. Uh, I'm quite impressed with what they've done over many years now. Uh, it's not so long ago that people said about central bankers, you know, they were like squids emitting clouds of ink and then disappearing. Uh, and in general, central bankers have become much uh, readier now to explain uh, how monetary policy works, what their view of inflation in the economy is, uh, and importantly, uh, how they're thinking about Uh, The monetary transmission mechanism, how what they do is going to affect uh, spending and inflation down the road. So I I like this innovation. The thing that's clearly different in the case of the Bank of Canada from the Fed or the Bank of England uh, is that it's, it's a staff view. The bank in the end speaks with one voice through the governor. So there are certain types of things that you can't do. Uh, when when that's your setup, it's conceivable the Bank of Canada one day would go to a monetary policy committee that had outside people on it. That would be a, another big step along this road and, and probably a positive one in many people's eyes. But given the setup they have now, this is, uh, uh, yeah, as I said, another step towards making uh, how they're thinking a bit more transparent, which I think over time uh, demystifies monetary policy a little bit.
0: Who is the target audience for this? How, how does it help the Bank of Canada with, with the various audiences? And, and in particular, you know, my listeners are, are mainly in investors. Are, are the minutes going to be helpful for deciphering what the Bank of Canada is doing? Uh,
1: they, I'm sure they won't hurt. Um, it's uh, a little bit uh, tempting, especially for people who are active in the markets, who don't like getting surprised, uh, to want central banks to telegraph Clearly, and, and and maybe put out a forward path for the policy rate, uh, which actually I think would be a good idea, but not because it's what they would then be committed to doing it's your best guess at a point in time, uh, and then as circumstances change. Uh, you're naturally uh, going to change it. Uh, The financial market participants are inevitably uh, at the centre of the central bank's attention day to day. Uh, They're the ones that uh, determine what happens to uh, the interest rates that the Bank of Canada doesn't control, the exchange rate, which they don't like to talk about, but they certainly pay attention to it. And, And so everything that they do has to kind of pass that test, in a sense. If market participants are saying things like the bank doesn't know what it's doing uh, then that's a very credible sounding voice uh, and it inevitably affects the opinions of people who are, are interested in monetary policy but not necessarily direct readers of the monetary policy report the bank of canada's releases and and now these minutes i i guess a, a second key audience for it are the uh business econ- business economics community generally uh, and there's a lot of overlap there. If you're a chief economist at one of the big banks, a lot of your job is to be out there uh, with the traders. I still have sort of the physical trading floor in my mind from my days doing that. Uh, and you've got to be making sense of it. And if your call is bad, uh, you know, if 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 you've been wrong footed by events, it's very tempting to say, well, the central banks fault here for Uh, doing the wrong thing or telling us one thing and doing something else. So it's a delicate dance because you've you've just mentioned that the Bank of Canada surprised people. Uh, And I think central banks have to surprise people once in a while. You mentioned our our Monetary Policy Council. One of the topics of conversation that comes up in it from time to time is uh, the banks created expectations that they're going to hold or they're going to go up 25 basis points, whatever it is, uh, so therefore, there's a bit of a credibility issue if they don't do that. People have different opinions on this, but the resolution of that in terms of the Monetary Policy Council's own call, like should we therefore, val- you know, should we therefore say the bank should do what they said they do, even if we don't think it's the right thing? Uh, the answer is no. Uh, the bank can't be prisoner of the expectations that it already created uh, so I'll just go back uh, to something I mentioned in passing a moment ago which is this idea of publishing a forward path for the policy rate there are central banks that do that the Bank of Canada is reluctant to do that I think any central bank the first time it does it is facing down a lot of concern about now it's going to be a commitment and people are going to read all kinds of things into it in terms of you know your economic outlook and the central bank's reaction function which all sounds very scary when you haven't done it and then you get get it out there and there's a bit of an education process as you're telling people this is not what we're predicting we're going to do it's just that you know on the path we're currently on this seems like the most likely scenario and then after people get used to it that's one more piece of information and if the central bank does something different from what they previously thought they were going to do well people will say inflation was higher or lower uh, you know this or that happened and i i think generally that's that's a good thing to do so not saying the bank of Canada is going to go there but uh, i think it'd be a good idea for them to do it
0: that's interesting. I, I haven't heard this, this argument in a while for a, kind of a forward path. How would that work exactly? Do you mean something like it would they would maybe publish the staff projection or something out of their economic forecasts, or it's something where they might take a, uh, like a, a Fed-style kind of dot plot survey of the members of governing council to publish where they think rates are headed? What, what, what might be most helpful?
1: Well, because the bank speaks with one voice, it's awkward to do a dot plot. Uh, You really have to have the outside group, I think, uh, uh, to make that kind of a thing work. I think that it's hugely informative. So one of the things that kind of intrigues me about the Bank of Canada potentially going to that uh, model is the greater degree of transparency gives you a lot more uh, nuance. And I think people's discussions of Fed policy are are better because they can see uh, how the uh, how the members are, are thinking and how they're thinking differently. Uh, you know, we, we we all disagree about the state of the economy, naturally, uh, depending on what we know and the weight we give different uh, types of evidence. Uh, within central banks, there's plenty of debate about how their actions are affecting the economy, what's going to happen and how long it's going to take. So I think that type of thing makes sense. If you're not that sort of central bank that can put out a dot plot, uh, do a fan chart if you like. You know, that, that's a way of graphically illustrating that there's a widening band of uncertainty as you go forward. And that's partly a matter of your uncertainty about the economy. It's also a, a matter of uncertainty about uh, the, the central bank's reactions and, and how they affect the economy. Uh, but what you're doing is you're, you're giving people something more to uh, chew on. The discouragement from doing it, if you were to ask uh, a central bank governor of a central bank that doesn't do it, Uh, including the Bank of Canada, I think the concern they would have that would register very strongly is people are going to think that that means uh, we're going to do that and it's a big embarrassment and and people are going to lose a lot of money, uh, you know, their bets in the market and blame us if we do something different. And I think that's, Uh, there's a bit of a parallel here it's 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 a rough one but uh, there was a lot of reluctance uh, going to inflation targets in the first place because there now you're really committed to a number and if the number is outside the range uh, then you're kind of on the hook and you have to explain why and they didn't think their inflation control would be as good as it turned out to be it's a funny thing to say right now with inflation where it is but we did have a quarter century of very uh, good inflation targeting performance Uh, they were reluctant to do it and then once it was in place it just kind of seemed like oh yeah this works well and and now it just seems like the most natural thing in the world
0: you know the 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 bank of canada's mandate is renewed every five years as as you're well aware they did one about a year ago so i those mandate reviews have looked more things like raising or lowering the inflation target or a different kind of uh, different kind of measurement of inflation i mean they clearly could debate an option like a a forward path of rates in in the next one but is there something you're seeing that makes you think this could happen in the next several years Uh, to shift to adopt some kind of a a rate path?
1: I wouldn't see that in the mandate. The thing that concerns me about the mandate, uh, well, I guess there are two things. You mentioned one of them, uh, and that's the possibility they raise the inflation target. I think 2% inflation is plenty high enough. It seems to be low enough for people to ignore it. uh, And for day-to-day purposes, that's great. I mean, one of the things we're relearning now, especially people who never experienced high inflation, is that high inflation is horrible. High inflation is bad. Two inflation seems to be low enough for people to ignore it day to day, uh, but it still cuts the purchasing power of money a lot over the length of, say, the average person's retirement. So I would not like to see the inflation target higher. I think we actually could go lower. I don't buy the arguments. Maybe that's a discussion for another day uh, about uh, if inflation is too low, central banks have handcuffs on. Um, We came close to getting kind of a dual mandate. Ah, uh, there were clearly mo- there was clearly more than one uh, set of fingers on the keyboard at that last mandate renewal. There was all this stuff about labor markets that somebody had inserted. Uh, and then uh, as as uh, those of us who were reading it uh, were reading through it, It was a great relief to get to the end and say, "Oh, it's still the two percent inflation target. uh It's so tempting for governments, for politicians to stick in all kinds of other stuff about distributional effects and and uh, you know the Fed is always in this situation uh, but I'm in the camp that says if you stabilize the purchasing power of money, you have a low and stable rate of inflation, uh, the rest of those things are going to come out of it uh, and if you If you lose sight of that, if if, if the currency is depreciating in value rapidly, then uh, you're not going to get better outcomes on any of those other things. Uh, It's just going to be a mess. So what I would like to see uh, with the next round is actually the whole thing cleaned up. Uh, The first time they went to inflation targets, the agreement with the government of Canada was very short and straightforward. Uh, and especially this last time around, it got all this other stuff stuck into it, uh, which looks kind of politically motivated. The path to getting a clearer mandate next time, uh, sort of anticipating that we're going to be talking about the political circumstances in a moment, would be for the Bank of Canada to get inflation back down to 2% and have it there when the next mandate renewal comes up, because then you're not on your back foot discussing it. Uh, you've, you've clearly done your job. You've, you've, you've proved again that it's possible to do it. Uh, and, and that you got the tools and you know how to use them. So uh, that would be my ideal circumstance. The bank gets back to 2% before that discussion is really getting hot and heavy. And we come out of it with a cleaner version of the commitment to keep inflation low and stable.
0: What's your view of whether inflation is going to get back to target in, in, a, in a reasonable time frame from here and, and whether interest rates can be held at this level and, and finish the job?
1: I'm quite optimistic about the path of inflation. Um Uh, And I'm paid to worry, many of us are, so uh, it feels a bit funny to say that. But the reason for my optimism is that the uh, Bank of Canada, and not only the Bank of Canada, the the other major central banks that have been tightening, have put a lot of pressure on the brake already. Uh, Monetary policy notoriously works with a lag. Uh, uh, People debate how long and variable it is. Uh, but it wouldn't be at all surprising to see the rate hikes that the Bank of Canada has done already and that the Fed has done uh, work their way through the economy and and continue to bring inflation down. The big contrary indicator uh, lately is the strength of the labour market. Uh, that's that indicator is notoriously one of the one of the last turn uh, I take some comfort from it and it'd be very nice if we could get the inflation rate down without seeing a whole lot more softness in the economy, uh, but when you look at some of the other indicators that typically turn uh, quickly. Uh, what's happening in the housing market? Very clearly, uh, the impact of the rate hikes there is biting, uh, and and we're seeing a little bit of pressure in credit markets, a little bit of distress among lenders that are finding that their debts are harder to service than they expected. Um, and one indicator that is very controversial to look at, and uh, many inside central banks would say it's it's utterly misleading. Uh, but money growth, uh, we had an explosion of. Uh, the common measures of money M2 uh, and variations on that uh, during the uh, recovery from the pandemic when governments had their foot to the floor and they were selling all this debt to the central banks and, and, and liquidity was flooding out. Um, all that's gone into reverse now uh, and we're actually seeing the money stock in both uh, some some common broad measures in, in both the U.S. and Canada, they're shrinking. Uh, so. It's possible that there'll be offsets in velocity, uh, you know, how, how money, how fast money circulates, that would mean that spending can hold up uh, in the face of that kind of uh, diminishing uh, supply of liquidity, Uh, but that'd be awfully surprising, I mean my my, my expectation is that we're going to continue to see uh, consumers pulling back in the more uh, interest rate sensitive areas. Uh, there's some business lending going on right now that's probably associated with distress rather than, you know, they're, they're financing unplanned increases in inventories rather than capital investments. Uh, so I do think it's likely that we're going to see at least a couple of very soft quarters. It wouldn't be at all surprising to see a couple of negative quarters here and in the United States. And then if you look at the projections of the CPI in the Bank of Canada's monetary policy report. Uh, we've had a few surprises to the downside, not the most recent one that was kind of in line with what they were saying. But uh, it does seem like the turn has come with inflation. We're still higher. If you look if you compare the year over year rate now to where it was a year ago, uh, it's still higher. Um, but uh, that might be the last one. I think we're now going to be seeing declines in that year over year rate measure. Uh, so that's my, my baseline expectation. Uh, I would say say we are going to see inflation within the target band uh, in 2024, and it's quite possibly going to be uh, spot on 2% by the end of the year.
0: So after all the, the rate hikes we had last year, we we might have a fairly good chance of skating through the rest of this year without, without any rate changes.
1: Uh, yeah, I think it is possible. Our Monetary Policy Council uh, anticipated that there would be another 25 basis point hike uh, to come, and then the bank uh, uh, did that ahead of what they had recommended. And it's possible if you see another couple of blow up labor reports. It, it, the exchange rate's a tricky topic, but if the Fed continues to hike, uh, you might see some changes in monetary conditions that make the bank more favorable to another 25 basis points. Uh, But the scenario I've just described with the the steam coming out of inflation and that downward momentum uh, already established says if we're not at the peak of the cycle, we're so close that it almost makes no difference.
0: In the last couple of years, uh, a lot of seemingly bad things have happened around around the world. We seem to be turning some of the corner on on the pandemic. Uh, I'd like to kind of find a positive note at the end. You've expressed some optimism that you know we can get back to a normal in, in uh, normal rate of inflation. Uh, but maybe even more generally for than the, the Bank of Canada, the economy is there another trend you're seeing in Canada this year that gives you uh, some optimism.
1: The further out you look, the more productivity growth looms as a, as a critical issue. And the tie-in with what we're going through right now is that if the supply side of the economy is growing rapidly, then central banks don't need to crush demand as much in order to get rid of an inflation Uh, if they can just kind of hold the line on spending for a few quarters and the supply side of the economy is growing very rapidly then you're going to see the inflationary pressure dissipate uh, as a result of uh, the productive capacity of the economy growing rapidly when spending isn't Uh, the problem that we have especially in canada but this is true in a lot of countries now is uh, the supply side of the economy isn't growing very rapidly and that makes it harder for central banks to achieve that, that soft landing. And the big disconnect that I see right now, uh, it's true in Canada, it's very true in the United States, uh, it's true in, in, in many countries, is the governments aren't really thinking uh, enough about those longer-term constraints. Now, we've been through this period where money was effectively free. It certainly felt free to them as uh, you know. the Prime Minister stands up in front of a microphone uh, every few days and announces tens of billions more money. As though uh, you know it it was it was available at no resource cost to anybody. The difficulty is that, especially with the pandemic, we've kind of had an acceleration of some of the uh, pressures that we always knew were going to be there. Uh, The labor force is going to grow more slowly. Productivity growth does not seem to have accelerated. In fact, with business investment having taken a hit, it's going to be hard for us to uh, keep those to to maintain the growth in living standards that we're going to need, and to maintain the kind of growth in government revenues that they're going to need. more and more people uh, move into the time of life when they're uh, collecting seniors' benefits and health care. Uh, you asked me to, to to close on an optimistic note. Um, we, If we come out of this period of, of just thinking, hey, that was, you know, modern monetary theory. Uh, you know, governments could just spend like crazy as long as central banks would accommodate it and, and the economy could grow without inflation. Well, you know, we did that. We hit the limit. Uh, we've now uh, got the inflation that we now have to get rid of. So uh, now it's time to get back to actually balancing budgets, making sure that every dollar you spend is more valuable than the dollar you could have spent on something else or the dollar that you're going to have to raise in revenue. Uh, if, if we see that kind of a change in mentality uh, in Canada, I think it's likelier to happen at the provincial level because that's where the proverbial rubber hits the road. They have to deliver healthcare. They have to deliver education. I think there's a bit more realism there. And if, if, But if we do see that mentality shift, Uh, then I would be a lot more optimistic, including about some of the innovations that the pandemic kind of forced. Uh, Here we are communicating with a technology that would have been a bit beyond our grasp a few years ago. Uh, I think there are some productivity gains that are going to be made if we can get the business investment rates up a little. Uh, With labor harder to come by, businesses are going to be more motivated to invest. So it's possible, Uh, but it, it would require a bit of a change in mentality uh in the US Congress uh, uh in Canada's own parliament uh in in other major countries of the world uh in order for the private sector and the not-for-profit sector for that matter to look ahead with a bit more confidence
0: well let's wrap it here and i think we'll label this a very productive discussion this has been the fed speak podcast by mni market news uh if you like the show tell a friend hope to be with you again soon and uh, thank you bill robson for being my guest
1: my pleasure thanks for having me